I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Beauty Bosses. I have two amazing guests on today, Stephanie Wynn Lawlin and Jenny Klatt, co-founders of Gemma Wynn, Lux Casual Fine Jewelry. Yep, that's us. <laughs> for all your luxe casual needs. Welcome. I'm so happy to have you guys here. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Um, so I love the one-liner associated with Gemma Wynn because we were chatting about this right before we started. And um, Stephanie, you said that it was kind of like a cashmere hoodie of fine jewelry. What do you mean by that? Rich materials, but comfortable. Um, we use a lot of fine um, quality stones, 18 karat golds, but it's kind of just meant to throw on and like wear all the time and just be super comfortable, kind of like your favorite cashmere hoodie you've had forever. How did you guys first meet? So we met about 15 years ago. Um, we were both working at another fine jewelry company here in New York, and we were working in product development and design, and we just instantly clicked we had like a really similar design aesthetic even though our personal styles are a bit different well Um, first jenny was working there as an intern and then i came in and she was like oh my god she's gonna take my job and she was not happy about it i found out about this later i found out this later (laughs) and she's like oh oh can i curse yeah. <laughs> she said, oh, oh shit. shit. Oh, shit. Not said, and at the end of the day, I didn't. We wound up, I went, we both wound up getting hired, and luckily they kind of put us together in the same room, and they often had to move our chairs away from each other because we were always talking about all the things that we love. We just lit- instantly hit it off, like instantly clicked, um, and we had the same aesthetic, the same love of everything. It was like a little weird. <laughs> um, like jewelry, interiors, yeah. like all all yeah. of that stuff. So. And then how did you guys make the decision to take a leap from presumably what was a pretty stable, good job into the great unknown of your own company? Um, na- naivete, is that the word? <laughs> <laughs> I think we were just, we had an opportunity, a unique opportunity to just start something on our own and kind of just go off while we were really young. I was 20. I think I was 23 or 24. Yeah, and it was like 2007 or 2007, 8. 2007, yeah. Um, we were like, let's do it. And then it was the recession, and we were like, we don't care. We just, we didn't know. We, we were young, and we were like, we're going to try to design jewelry that we would want to wear all the time, like every day. And did you have some kind of, um, you know, funding source, or were you self-funding, or was this just kind of really like we're gonna go until it runs out type of thing yeah Yeah, we were lucky to to be self-funded um and it has not run out hopefully because (laughs) we've been selling enough jewelry to support ourselves um but yeah i mean we take the business really seriously it's our passion and our love and it's also our livelihood so we really you know try to be really smart about running it as a real you know business so that we can make more jewelry and support ourselves and no, have fun, hopefully, while we're doing it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, when you guys were first starting out, did you um, 
come up with a business plan or did you what was your what were your first couple of moves so, you so we had like a we had like what? a pretty loose business plan I left first um I just felt like I needed a change and I really wanted to go off and you know create my own business, start something new. You were getting um, married. I was getting married. I was going through like different transitions. Um, and then I had approached Stephanie later saying like, let's, um, let's do this together. Like, what do you think about it? I know I'm crazy, but come join me. Um, and we came up with like a loose business plan. We, I mean, I literally remember like our night sitting at Fred's. We used to go to like Fred's at Barney's for dinner and we were like mapping out like, what will be the name of our company? How do our names mesh together? Um, so what is Gem- Gemma Wynn? How, what is the name of yeah, your company? So Gemma Wynn is a mix of both of our names. Um, Jennifer Melissa became Gemma and Wynn is my middle name. So we just thought it sounded really pretty and kind of cool and it just stuck. Yeah, so that was like the start. We're like, okay, we have a name. <laughs> that was like the first, first step of it. That took, that took a long time actually to come up with. Um, it's not easy when like you don't want to just make it your own name. It's it's hard. <laughs> yeah, and like we had the idea. We saw like that there was like this hole in the market of like every day like fine jewelry. We were like, oh, what's the kind of jewelry that we would want to wear? Like we were fairly young at the time. Um, and we came up with the idea of like these, I'm not even wearing it today, them. but Seth's wearing like our first concept ever. Oh, let's um, see. This was 11 years ago of these open bracelets and people really were not making these at the time. And that's kind of how we got started. And we built our whole business initially like around the idea of like these open bangles that sat really close so to the wrist. Pretty. And we it was had just, the wire specially yeah. manufactured for us. Um, and we just thought like how many ways, shapes and forms can we make this bangle? And I feel like we probably, there were hundreds of iterations of it over the years. What would you say is the style you're best known for? So it had, it's changed over time. It started with the bangles. Like we definitely were known for our bangles. Like the the stack of the day, like people would follow us for like, what was the stack of the day? Yeah. Um, which we did on Facebook because we were like very scared of Instagram in the beginning. But Instagram we, didn't even exist right. when we first started. Right, that's true. That's true. <laughs> it's a whole new world. Stack of the day today. Can I see the yeah. stack of the day? Yes. Yeah. for my Insta Live and podcast. Oh wow. Okay, that's amazing. These are beautiful. Thank you. So here's like a mix of Gemma Wind with Hermes and yeah. custom Gemma Wind. <laughs> yeah, and this is all Gemma Wind except for the watch. Wow. <laughs> um, some rings too. So I guess after the um, after the bangles, um, we started toying with the idea of like the openness of the bangles. Like how else can we do that? So we came up with the open rings, which kind of you know mimicked the same form. And Jenny was coming up on her sixth year anniversary. Sixth year anniversary. One of her anniversaries, <laughs> and she's like, I want to redo my ring. Let's like, what can we do? let's design something really original um, and different for me that kind of like speaks more to like how we live our lives, how Jenny lives her life, like more just relaxed yeah, and more th- casual. Like, yeah, and not flashy or whatever. And so we came up with her open ring, which was... Yeah, so we um, took like my original stone yeah. and then matched it with like another stone and mimicked like that open feel. Right. And that was like the first one that we did. Right. And then, and then we started showing it to different people. And one of, um, our friends who is an editor, who was an editor at, um, L at the time, um, saw it and said, I have an heirloom diamond that I 
I never had an engagement ring. Will you guys take it and make one of your open rings for me? So we paired it with an emerald and made this gorgeous diamond pair. She had a diamond pair and an emerald cut emerald and we put it together. And it was kind of this style that we put on Instagram and like people went crazy over. And we just started getting all these inquiries and people were coming to us from all over asking us to redo their rings. Um, they had a diamond and they wanted to pair something else with it or they wanted us to design from scratch. And the style just kind of took off. And as time has gone on, we've been making more and more of them and bigger ones and different versions of them. And just over time, we've become really well known for them. And that's really clever too because a lot of people will inherit jewelry from their family members or um, distant relatives and mm -hmm. they love it but it's not totally them and it's very cool to have an innovative way to breathe new life into something yeah. precious yeah. where you're still honoring its legacy but you make it something that you can actually integrate into your daily life. Yeah, yeah. that's very true and people just like love the feeling of knowing that they have something that maybe was passed down from, you know, a grandmother or great grandmother or you know their mother, and just that it has a sentimental meaning to it. They just love it, and and being able, and knowing that they could wear it every day and feel like it's really them, and like they helped come up with the design or you know put their own spin on it is just like they just love it. What was kind of your first big sale? Where when you started your company, where you felt like okay, sale. maybe this can actually happen. Okay, so tell yeah. me about your first sale. Um, so I hadn't even left. Yeah, I don't yet, think I don't Stephanie think. had even left um, the other company yet, but I had kind of started. Are we saying what the other company is? Maybe. Sure, Judith yeah. Rifta. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, right. we had a great experience there. Yeah. We learned so much there, and okay. they're amazing. So, <laughs> sure, why not? We'll share. And they introduced <laughs> me to my husband. Oh, so there so, you go. Yeah, so there you go. Good karma. Exactly. Um, good karma. Okay, so what was your first big sale? So uh, I was introduced to a client um, through someone, and they were from the South, and they were, like, up in New York for two days, and they were looking for, like, a new, like, anniversary ring, and she was looking for yeah, an upgrade. <laughs> um, and I can't remember how many carrots it was. Like, ten. Ten or twelve carrots. Um, and at the time I'm which only, is big. which is pretty big. <laughs> yeah. And at the time I'm only 23 years old and I get this client and I started calling diamond companies and like no one would like memo us stones. No one would let me come see, um, them to like pull stones because they're like, who are you? Who are you? We don't know you. Like you look like a messenger, like you're 23 years old. <laughs> Um, so I called in a favor to one of our contacts in the ind industry and she used to work at Harry Winston and she's like, I'll make a few calls for you and I will like vouch for you that, you know, you're not going to run away with these stones. <laughs> so they, and it was also right before the Jewish holidays. So like all the diamond district was basically shutting down. So I had like a two day period where I could make this sale happen or it was just not going to happen. Um, and I met with them and we showed them like maybe like five or six different stones and they were like pretty chill and relaxed about it. I was definitely a little nervous. It was like my first time ever like really interfacing with a client also for something that large and expensive. And the husband was like, all right, we're going to think about it. We're going to go to lunch and we'll get back to you. And I was like, okay, sure. Great. Like, let's be in touch. And then he was like, actually, you know what? we know we love it. Like we, we don't need to get back to you. We're going to take it. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah. He's like, that's it. That's I'm taking it. That's it. Like we're done. And like, 
that was it. It was our first sale. I remember I was so excited. Did I even have a way for him to pay? No, we didn't even have a way for him to pay yet. Like, nothing. We were just like, yay, our first sale ever. I remember, like, I called Stephanie. I was so excited. And I was, like, walking down 47th Street. And I, like, turned the corner. And there was, like, an ice cream truck. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's the best day ever. Like, I just sold a huge diamond. Now I'm at the ice cream truck. Like, this just can't get better. Um, and it was our first sale. And that sale, like, carried us through for, like, the first two yeah. years of our business. Yeah. Um, and it helped, like, Well, and fun. they came back, too, and yeah. they bought two pairs of, like, diamond studs yeah, for their studs daughters. For their daughters. Like, yeah. another couple big, bigger sales. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, like, the start of it. So. It was, like, good. It was, like, beginner's luck. and But, yeah. like, set the tone. That's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty amazing yeah. and exciting. Like, because especially so of, early a on. a lot of the <laughs> entrepreneurs I meet, um, through my daily life or from the podcast mm-hmm. have had these stories of it being horrible where they're not sure if they're going to make it. And I mean, we've definitely they had those times. Hit it big. Yeah. yeah have I you mean, ever really struggled? Yeah. I mean, listen, I think that we have always had like a really clear vision of like how we saw our brand. I think our aesthetic has evolved over time and our line has gotten like more precious and we're more confident in like who we are and what our aesthetic is. But it's definitely been, like, we have a lot of roadblocks yeah. and challenges yeah, along the way. Being in the fashion business is a lot of rejection. It's, you know, when new things, when you show new things to people, you hear no, 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 I'll think about it, and you never hear from them again, or they say yes, and then they change their mind. It's a lot of rejection, but you kind of have to just say to yourself, listen, like, you're going to hear no's often, but with that, you'll also hear yeses, and if it was so easy, everyone would do it, so... You just have to keep trying. Like, there were stores that we worked years and years and years. Like, we could have met with them, like, ten times for seasons after season. And then we were like, okay, you know, maybe we're just not going to get into this store. And we would give up. And then, like, at that, like, there were a few times like that. And then at that time, then they would approach us. And so, like, we – it's definitely – hard and it's definitely hard figuring out like you know there's so much that we want to do we can't afford to do every single thing that we want to do we just try to keep thinking about our business in a smart way and like reinvesting our dollars in the right area and like we have a great team so I think Mm -hmm. that contributes to like part of our success I think one of the things that we figured out the hard way in the beginning was like you can't do everything yourself and because we were trying to save money and we were so young we did try to do everything ourselves but when you kind of spread yourself so thin there's just areas that just suffer because of it so like it took a few years it took a few years to hire a publicist it took a few years to decide that um you know we needed someone a design assistant like we just we needed people to help us do the things that we couldn't all do in in, in one day so yeah, I think that's actually a really good piece of advice because a lot of self-motivated people try to accomplish every single thing. Yeah. Um, and then you get burnt out. You yeah. Guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have a lot of people that help us now and we still get burnt out. There's just never enough time, especially like as time goes on and you build your families and you have more kids, there's just less time. <laughs> yeah. <day. laughs> One of the things that I think is a unique challenge about the jewelry business, and I'm wondering what you guys think about this is... Um, just this idea of intellectual property and the concept of knocking off jewelry because there's this weird fluidity in fashion and jewelry where um, people will somewhat brazenly totally mimic existing designs. One of my friends, um, Brett Heyman, who started Edie Parker, went through Mm -hmm. this a couple of years ago and when I had her on the podcast, she told this really interesting story about how 
there are all of these little pop-up companies that are making total replicas yeah. of her bags and even marketing them with her name. Um, and, yeah. you know, and she doesn't have that much that she can do about it. She's obviously yeah. trying. But have you guys felt that little struggle of how do you protect your intellectual property in a field where that's not necessarily a thing? Yeah, I mean, I it's, think it's, it's... It's hard. Yeah, you kind of have to, like, weigh, like, okay, if you want to protect it, how much money is associated with doing that? How much money do you have to spend with lawyers and and um, suing people? And is it worth it? And we have dealt with knockoffs for a very long time. Like our bangles were knocked off like almost right away. Even like we had these, we have jewelry tags on all the back of our pieces, and there were even companies that were making things that had their our bracelets with our tags on it. Um, and like as I think like we just. Decided. I think part of it is, like, we decided, like, I always tell yeah. Stephanie, like, all that energy that you could spend, like, worrying about all the people knocking you off, like, we have to take that energy and, like, put it back into, like, what we know what we're doing. Like, our customers are people who want the authenticity of our brand and, like, are willing to spend the money and, like, appreciate the materials. Like, we're not losing our customers because of these people, even if we feel like it might be diluting our brand or you know, it's upsetting on an emotional level at times. Like, at the end of the day, like, we don't really feel that it's truly, like, affecting our business and, like, we're losing, we're not losing sales from it. So I think it's something that exists. Like, it's not great, but I think there, it's also, like you just said, like, there isn't so much that you can do about it. If you change so, one small thing yeah. in your design, technically, it's not a copy. So, like, if someone takes one of our rings and they change the stone, to be a different orientation then it's technically not a copy right, that you can right, right. you can pursue like I almost feel like for me like I think what's more of a problem is that the retailers the people that are carrying these lines are not doing their research enough to know when a line is a knockoff of another line or you know it, it just I, I feel like they perpetuate it like they only they're they only are able to do it because they're validated by someone and and retailers that choose to buy them yeah I it's funny I see sort of my own version of that where I see my before and after images which are kind of my version of the most beautiful jewel <laughs> piece you know yeah. beautiful jewelry that you can make it's like my version of that is my surgical outcome and um, I see my before and after photos with the watermark scrubbed off yeah. digitally and then used by somebody else and for a while I found it extremely distressing I still do and I think that's just so completely messed up and dishonest and unethical but you know, maybe the correct answer is that you just continue to innovate. And what I decided from that is kind of what you guys decided, which is that I, w I just want my hand and my aesthetic vision and my work to be so well known yeah. that it doesn't matter whose fake watermark you see on it, you're going to yeah. know that it's my work. Exactly. It's exactly. Yeah. One of our very close editor friends, um, Sophia Shabit, who's an amazing um, editor at Women's Wear Daily, once said to us, that like you can focus as much as you want on the copies but like you're the ones that come up with the ideas and like you guys are the innovators and you guys um, are the ones that people come to when they want amazing jewelry and amazing ideas so like maybe someone's knocking you off but like you are already coming up with the next thing so like don't focus backwards mm -hmm. only look forwards and and come up with new amazing things that, that you love that people will buy yes and always, I be, always like, think like leading that. the charge yeah yeah pushing the envelope that's so yeah. cool well what are your plans for the future of the brand a 
lot of things. <laughs> um, I mean, we're always working on new collections. We're working on developing our website, which has kind of become like a creative outlet for us. Um, and we just realized that like we can um, offer so many different points of view on our website. We can show the story or the process behind pieces. Um, we can show working with different clients on special, maybe in a special engagement ring or something amazing for their wedding anniversary. Um, so I, I feel like we're like putting the website a lot of will time be like, and effort into that. Yeah, every store has like a different story of what they view our collection to be. And I think that's the place where we, on our own website and on our own channels, like Instagram, where we can kind of dictate like and carry like this is who we are and this is our story. And that's something that we're really going to be focusing much, much more on and like showing more mm-hmm. behind the scenes of how the daily operations work of our business um, and just working more closely with clients and showing like that mm-hmm. process a little bit more so people can yeah. like feel like they're a part of it. We recently um, met this amazing stone dealer out of LA that had those, has the most interesting cut diamonds um, and stones and we kind of formed this little partnership where he's letting us use design some pieces around his really interesting diamonds um so we're working on that little group right now which we're really excited about because they're very interesting stones that we had never seen before um some five carats some ten carats just really cool interesting shapes um so it's not often that we get to work with these gigantic diamonds um, and kind of design whatever we want around them um so we're really excited about that and then something that we've always wanted to do is have a collection that is only exclusively available through us Mm -hmm. and that's something that we're going to be focusing on we've Mm -hmm. kind of already started a little bit on that but that's going to be another focus of ours coming up with a collection that will only be available through us and it'll be it will be Gemowin but it'll be a different kind of Gemowin that's Mm -hmm. very cool Mm -hmm. I like that yeah I'm Um, really excited about do you guys find that um Social media has been important for marketing for you, or how are you oh, reaching your yes. hundred percent? Like I was, we were talking this the other day when when we first started using Instagram for the business, we were so nervous by it. We were like, we don't want people to see our designs. People are going to start copying us from, and we were just very reluctant guarded. and like, guarded to sure put what everything out. Like, like how is everyone going to see our stuff on Instagram before it's out in the stores? Like, that's unheard of. We can't do that. We can't show the behind the scenes. And then as time went on, we started getting um, a lot of inquiries and clients from, like, international markets, um, from the Middle East. Um, We had just had a very big sale yesterday to someone in Jordan, and we were like, this is an amazing opportunity for us to kind of capitalize somehow and meet our clients from, like, all over the world. Um, and we have done a lot of business through, literally through Instagram, through DM, through sending pictures and selling pieces that way, just through pictures. It's amazing what, how people buy jewelry through pictures. It's, it's really unbelievable. It's yeah. made the world so small, it's right? Amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. It's truly yes. incredible that, yeah. um, even, you know, even in my practice, I have had patients from all six out of seven continents, not yet Antarctica, but, um, <laughs> I don't know how many plastic surgery patients live in Antarctica. Right. But, um, <laughs> or maybe probably, the cold just yeah. preserves, like, yeah, everything. Like preserves everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But it's incredible, and that's amazing. 
Well, I'm so excited to hear about everything that you guys have going on, and we can't wait to find out what's going to happen next. And where can everybody find you? On our own website. Right. Um, so GemmaWin.com. Um, I would say that's the main source where you can see everything. And Instagram for sure. I would say even Instagram before the website, you can see more pieces, um, which is just at GemmaWin. Um, and then we're sold in a bunch of stores. We sell at Bergdorf Goodman. We sell in Neiman Marcus. We sell on netaporte.com. We sell at, on Moda Operandi. We sell where else? I mean, we work with a lot of yeah. amazing jewelry boutiques as well. Um, we work with Material Good that's down in Soho. They have, like, the most incredible curation retail experience. <laughs> um, so we definitely recommend checking mm-hmm. our line out there. Yeah, and Jamie Geller well. in Pacific yeah. Palisades, who has, was one of the first um, people that picked up our line, like, almost 11 years ago. Yeah, um, she is one of our first. the best eye and the best taste. We love her. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much, guys. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you. All right. This was really fun. Our first podcast. Yay. <laughs>